1: Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 76, and I believe our second live stream. Our first live stream or second live stream? I can't remember.
0: I think this is our second
1: live stream for the Laravel News Podcast, yeah.
0: Well, third, if you count the one we did ages and ages ago. Okay.
1: We're trying this thing out, seeing how it works. Mr. Uh, Justin Jackson just joined us in the chat room along with Vince Mitchell. Thanks, guys, for joining us and saying hi. Uh, This is going to be our last episode before the new year. So this is our Christmas, New Year, Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Festivus episode. Uh, So thanks so much for joining us. Hopefully this finds you well and probably traveling on the road uh, to wherever your destination might be for the holidays. Myself and my family are going to be in Ohio. Really looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. We rented a big log cabin this year uh, for all the... Cousins and everybody to be in, and I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping mm. nobody gets sick. The last time we were all together like this, some we, we all got sick. Ugh. Literally, everybody Ugh. got no, sick. No, you don't want that. Horrible. Not at Christmas, especially. It was so bad. No, no, it was rough. It was really bad. So anyway, fingers yeah. crossed, that doesn't happen. But uh, yeah. How about you? What are you doing for Christmas this year? We are staying home this year. So
0: last year, we went up to my sister, but this year, we are staying at home. We alternate between going up there and spending time here with my family here and and Ree's family. So, yeah, this year we're doing Christmas Eve lunch with my family, uh, like my mum and my dad and my brother and his girlfriend. And then Christmas Eve, we're doing dinner with like my extended family. And then Christmas Day lunch is with Ree's family. So, lots of getting around and uh, seeing everyone and showing off Eli for his first Christmas. We went and saw Santa today. So, Oh, that's awesome. Which was, How did that go? Yeah, really well. We were like, you know, there's always a screaming child in uh, in these photos and we figured that that was going to be the case. Although my dad kind it's of like, looks like, like the Santa. Mission, yeah. you know? My dad kind of have... looks like Santa. So Eli's been getting practice for the last six months. That's, so. that's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, it went well. He, had, uh, he, was, he looked a bit, you know, perplexed by everything. There's bright lights and lots of people and he was just like, out of it and then as soon as he sat down and we started squeaking the little toy to get his attention the he turned on the charm as, as he's
1: known to do nice. so
0: yeah the photos that we got look really good
1: we'll uh, i'm sure we will share them on twitter at some point yeah he's an adorable kid can't that kid can't take a bad photo no, i pretty sure i don't think so pretty sure that's awesome that's awesome well you know what we do actually have a shorter episode this week um we look it looks like we have about Six things, uh, and one of which we won't really cover because it's pretty code heavy and it's kind of a series that's been going on on the site for a while here. So we have uh, not a ton, not a ton to talk sure. about. That's okay, though. We will uh, we will try and make it worth your time to listen, take a listen here. So uh, why don't we jump right in there? So tracking view errors with Honey Badger in... Laravel. So this was written by our very good friend and cash money cohort, Mr. TJ Miller. So TJ has been working with Honey Badger for a while. They actually sponsored the show a few weeks ago, a few episodes Mm ago. Uh, Michael, for those who maybe didn't get a chance to listen to that one, could you just do a a quick refresh uh, of our memories? You did such a good job (laughs) reading the sponsor. You know, I figured you could, you could grace us with your Aussie awesome, uh, uh, linguistics once I'll again. I'll give it a go. This seems to work so much better when I'm on the spot. So,
0: Honey Badger, we've, I mean, we've had things like Sentry and Bugsnag and Rollbar in our community for quite some time. They're quite prominent in PHP. Honey Badger's been around as long, if not longer than all of those other providers or bug tracking software. But they've been really popular in the Ruby world. So, they've they've decided to reach out into PHP and they've they've spent a bit of time, as you said, with with uh, TJ putting together some stuff specific for Laravel in order to make tracking bugs, um, you know, even even easier, really easy in Laravel. But it's, you know, as easy as everything else, right? So, um, one of the main benefits of, of Honey Badger is that it doesn't just track your bugs, but it does a whole bunch of
1: other reporting as well. Yeah, true. Yeah. It kind of like centralizes a lot of those things for yeah. you, right? So it's not only error tracking, it's also, um, you have what do they call them like heartbeats right so there was another word for that it's not just heartbeats what do they call it what do they call it like
0: Uh, uptime monitoring so they do uptime monitoring and check-in monitoring as well so they'll make sure that your site's up it'll also you know ping your external services so you know when those things are up and running so you know you might use three or four different services to accomplish all of this previously and at face value you look at at the cost of of something like Honey Badger and you go, oh, it's a bit expensive. But when you factor in the fact that you're paying for Sentry or Rollbar already, and then you're paying for something to do all of your uptime monitoring, and you're paying for something else to do your check-in monitoring like Dead Man Snitch, for example, um, all of these costs kind of add up and you end up paying for, you know, the same amount as you would for Honey Badger. But with Honey Badger obviously you're looking in one location for all of that stuff rather than having to log into say you know Sentry and then having to log into Deadman Snitch and then logging into something like ODF oh for all of your uh, exception monitor uh, for all of your uh, uptime monitoring and and that kind of stuff so it's nice in that regard that you've only got one place to look
1: yeah. And they've also got a free fifteen day trial. So Honey Badger, you're getting pretty much free sponsorship out of this thing. Mostly because we love TJ <laughs> and because your service is pretty dang cool. But yeah, TJ did a great job of, of breaking this down. So what he was uh, what he was doing here is basically walking through the process of setting up Honey Badger to track any errors that you have um, in view, which is I literally scanned the article in about five, you know, minutes here, and it seems like you could get this set up. Quite quickly, it integrates also with Laravel Mix. He walks through that portion of it, and um, then also sets up release tracking. Uh, so I don't know if you've ever done release tracking. It's so kind of, and it doesn't always work. Like specifically in the way that he's got it set up here, you would have to be uh, in a Git repo in order to be able to use it in the way that he's suggested. Right? Um, do you do all your deployments happen like do, do the repos that you're uh, you know? deploying and do they come in as a git like are they a git repo on the server that you're deploying to or not typically some of our stuff is some isn't what we do
0: in instances where we're deploying like the artifacts just the the application itself and not doing a, a git based you know git pull to have all of that stuff in our deployment is that we'll actually do a sim rather than rather than the config caching the hash what we'll do is as part of our yeah. deploy process we will get that same hash and we'll put it into a version file in our base directory nice. and then we read that rather than ex, mm-hmm. rather than shelling out to git.
1: But yep, which makes perfect yeah. sense as yeah. well. So yeah, you can do that as part of your deployment pipeline and and just drop a little dot file in there or whatever and and this could pick up on that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but it's a really great succinct uh, little article here for handling error tracking in vue with honey badger. So thanks yeah. TJ for writing that up. Really appreciate it. Great job. Hey, you mentioned mix there. You, you threw it into the
0: mix yeah. as it were and there isn't an article about mm-hmm. this just yet but Jeffrey Way released very quickly in the last 2 weeks version 3 and version 4 of Laravel Mix so version 4 of okay. Laravel Mix is now the default if you were to spin up a new Laravel application and we'll just hit the the high points on this but i'm sure there'll be an article from everyone's favorite human being Paul Redmond in the in the next little while of course Um, But we've got faster compile times using, I think, a newer version of Webpack. So we're using Webpack 4 now. So this gives us uh, faster compilation, faster uh, NPM installs. We're using a a newer version of Loader and a newer version of Babel. It also does uh, automatic vendor extraction, CSS minification using uh, CSS Nano. Post-CSS plugins are much more easily passed into things like SAS and LESS and Stylus the the javascript optimization and minification is now using terser instead of uglify and instead of using node sass we're now using dart sass and the only comment i had to jeffrey on that was will this make that error that always comes up every time i upgrade npm always. on my machine Having go to away node yeah so yeah there's there's a whole lot of stuff there a lot of it is more around optimization than any groundbreaking new features but uh, as I said, that's now part of the default Laravel application when you spin up a new app. And if you're wanting to upgrade, there's instructions in the Laravel Mix release notes,
1: which which we will include in the show notes as well. I've always had that, or not always, but recently had that same problem with the Node Sass stuff where I have to recompile yeah. it. It seems like all the time. So yeah, I th- I found that interesting as well. I think yeah. I saw that as a, as your comment and so, uh, yeah. So on Twitter. so if
0: you were to upgrade Node on your machine, you will have to recompile Node SAS in each project that's using Node SAS. So it's not it's not installed globally. So and, and I'm like I'm sure I fixed this as I was switching between two or three different applications after I had run yeah. the updates. So right. yeah, hopefully using Dart SAS will improve this. Um, it means you know you don't have to recompile that. So, I will definitely be checking out Webpack uh, or Laravel Mix version 4
1: in the coming weeks. Very nice. Uh, we also have this forg.js. And uh, what it is, is it's a lightweight JavaScript object validator. So, it's interesting because this is not tied specifically to Vue. A lot of the things that I've used recently uh, for front end sort of validation are tied specifically to Vue. And this is not. So, it's just a JavaScript object validator mm-hmm. so literally you take any javascript object and then you can validate it using forg.js so it's pretty cool for that reason but then uh paul basically walks through how you would set it up to handle uh validation in a way uh that would work with uh, you know your view sort of forms mm-hmm. and those sorts of things so it looks like it's a pretty straightforward Library, the API is, is very friendly, but it also seems like it's very, very extensible. Because it's not specifically uh, tailored to be for forms you really gain a lot of flexibility. So some of the things that you have when you are dealing with different validation libraries is a lot of times they have conventions around how you should display errors and those sorts of things, and this doesn't care at all. It basically just lets you write the rules, check for errors, and then you can display the errors however you'd like to. You can have multiple rules set up for each one, for each field that is in your object or for each key in your object. Uh, You can define new rules really easily, and it looks like it's a really great library. So Paul talks about he's using it as a uh, in the front end for form validation on an SPA that he's building and he's really, really liked it. I wanted to talk a little bit about any other front end validators that you may have used. Michael, have you ever had this problem or do you typically defer to the back end validation stuff?
0: Yeah, I don't do any of the validation on the front end as such. Uh, the, I mean, the only thing that I really do is the implied validation you get from Chrome and Firefox, when you say that a field is required or that it is of type sure. URL uh, of email or whatever, but typically what I what I'll do and what I've used in the past is the Spacy package, which was born out of some videos that Jeffrey did over on Laracasts, uh, mm-hmm. which is just like yep. a view validate or something like that, and it it essentially handles the the format of the validation errors that come back from your backend, so you can post to an endpoint do a normal request validate in your application and it'll send back the errors and it will handle filling in all of the errors inside of your form. So you get like that instant feedback rather than sending the, you know, sending the request to the server and then having to the redirect back. Uh, so it's just a nice little, you know, point between, you know, it mixes the worlds between the, the front end validation and the and the back end validation. And doing it that way I think is really nice because it means you don't have to duplicate your validation logic. On, on both the front and back end as you would if you're using something like this in, in a Laravel
1: project, for example. Totally. Yeah, no, I do agree. Yeah, I, we, and that works. We, we've, we're using that in production um, in my place of, of business uh, where we're using the Spassi library. And it works well. And like you said, it does provide you a single location to put your validation. The spots where I struggle with it are when you have either a multi-page form where you need to validate before leaving a page. Mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out how to do like partial form validation where I say like, hey, I'm gonna submit all of these through at the end, but I'm really only interested in checking these five. Yeah. Uh, before I submit to the next page, right? And I'm sure there is ways to do it. I'm sure there is. But that was the first challenge that I faced where I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if this backend validation is going to work for that. I think that was the initial challenge that really kind of pulled me away from from keeping the validation all in the backend. Mm. And instead, I just kind of said, you know what? I'm going to put some validation in the front end, some some lightweight validation here. And then essentially my validation that happens on my server is really only for people who are, are trying to be nefarious yeah right mm-hmm. so i know for a fact that if somebody's passing in something that doesn't match it's likely because they're either modifying the request or something like that so it's there for safety but i don't have to depend on it so much right yeah, um, yeah. if that makes sense yeah like i don't so the nice thing is like if i come if, if i get if they get to my controller and it's a bad bad like whatever, Mm -hmm. like if it's a bad uh, request, like if it's malformed or if, you know, there's invalid keys or requested things that are uh, required and they're not there. I don't really have to worry about sending back a pretty message. I just kind of blow up and say, Hey, you did something wrong because I know that like the people who are doing that are not like doing it. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, exactly. You know, they're doing it intentionally. They're trying to screw with me. So having said that, it's allowed me to be able to make a really good user experience on the front end, I feel like, because I can also validate as they're going through fields and things like that, right? So I can uh, I can so if they, for instance, let's say they go to submit to the next page and it shows me like four errors or something, or maybe it's just two errors. as soon as they correct that error and tab out of it, the error goes away, right it It validates it in line right there. There's no error now. And so they can see they're correcting it as they go. So there's a couple of reasons, I guess, why I've used front-end validation. And it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. I feel like it's so much nicer now. There's some really, really good libraries out there. Vuelidate is the one that I use quite a quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know there's another one. Vvalidate, I think, is another one. So anyway.
0: Yeah, nice. We will definitely yeah. include them in the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. There we go. Okay. Moving on. Uh, we have another package here called ES Lint. Uh, I'm sorry, View ES Lint. It's a plugin uh, and allows you to lint your view code. Uh, Michael, have you looked at this one yet? Uh, no. I mean, we're pretty pretty
0: excited about using StyleCI to to do all of our backend stuff, but we don't really have Absolutely. any. Absolutely. We don't really have any you know concrete set of styles for our JavaScript, mostly because we don't really have. A lot of JavaScript that is in a state that would ever pass any linting tools as it is
1: now. <laughs> yeah, it's um. so basically it is exactly what it says, right? It's a linting tool. So uh, just like most other linting tools, you're going to have to set it up uh, to be exactly what you would want it to be. It does ship with default configurations, though, uh, that I think... Um, sort of conforms to what the official documentation would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's great. So that, that works you know, out of the box, giving you some really good recommendations. So all you have to do is install it using NPM or Yarn or uh, or the preferred Vue CLI tool if you are in fact using that mm-hmm. in your project. If you are using it with the Vue CLI tool, it'll automatically add the lint to your package JSON scripts configuration. And then there's a couple other options here for how you would add it in uh, if you aren't using the Vue CLI tool. So then, all you'd have to do is run yarn lint, and you will start seeing the linting output in your console. Uh, So that's pretty interesting. Uh, What is that one that I feel like there's one that David Hempel uses? It's like Beautify or something like that. That kind of like runs as your as you're coding. Have you you know what I'm talking about or no? Yeah, vaguely. I vaguely recall what you're talking about. It's basically like what it is is. And I had something like this with a Tailwind something that I pulled down from Adam. Where I would go to save a file and it would it would lint it automatically yeah. like immediately as soon as I saved it it would lint it and it would tell me like hey you're you don't need a comma here or there's no semicolon needed or you need to put a space mm. between the function name and the brackets or yeah. what or in the, the parentheses. Yeah, um But this Beautify one I feel like it automatically formatted it. Yeah. It's it's J is pretty or prettier or something Beautify or something like oh, that. Oh, prettier. Yeah. That's I think that's prettier. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Which you can yeah. use for That'd be pretty
0: cool. there's a PHP version for it now. It is a very opinionated code formatting tool. And I because it's opinionated, there's not really much configuration you can do. And for PHP I have found that it doesn't quite jive with me and the way that I expect my code to look. So But yeah, Prettier is certainly the, well, what we're after, so it's just at Prettier.io, dot io,
1: but we will include that in the show notes as well. Yeah, that looks pretty cool as well. So check that out, check it out. Okay, what do we got next, Mr. Dorinda? Uh,
0: before we move on to our releases, I suppose we can talk about one more package here, and that is the Laravel Dusk dashboard package, which is a beautiful dashboard for your Laravel Dusk tests, written by Marcel Passiotte. Marcel describes this package as follows. Laravel Dust Dashboard is a Laravel package that gives you a beautiful dashboard for your dust test suites. It completely visualizes the individual steps that are involved when your dust tests are running, as well as DOM snapshots for each individual step, which makes it super useful when you try to debug your browser test and to figure out what they are doing in the background. You can also make use of your browser's debug tools to inspect DOM snapshots. So he he's got a detailed write-up on how this works. He's been working on it for quite some time I think he's very recently tagged version 1.0 of it obviously he's been busy working on other things and this is kind of cool because it allows you to see in in the web browser as on this little dashboard what's what's going on as your dust tests are running you know sometimes you might be using the headless chrome so you don't see what's happening sometimes um, you know it happens that quickly that you don't see it anyway so you know it's kind of kind of handy to have that tool and seeing snapshots of each step and and what's happening in your browser without having to look at it and, and stop those tests from running as you go is really kind of handy.
1: That is incredible. Uh, I think one of the things that's like a big added on like plus with this is that you can debug the different like the different pages. You can see them live like over like as mm-hmm. you're clicking through the tests, but you can also use your Chrome inspector tools mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. ones that you're super familiar with to highlight everything and look at it the state of it what it was when that test ran which is ridiculous yeah that is ridiculous it's pretty powerful yeah so this is incredible so the he's got an extended write-up that's um that's referenced in the uh, laravel news post that uh paul talks about but this is an incredible tool mm-hmm. um the only thing that i'm missing right now for these dusk tests is I know there used to be a Chrome plugin where you could kind of click through your yeah. application and it would like pretty much write the Dusk tests for you. Yeah. Is that like defunct or like deprecated or doesn't work anymore? I think it's a or? separate
0: thing. I know that I know that I'm pretty sure it's Marcel that wrote it as well, but I think that's for, for building up your PHP unit test more so than the Dusk test. And I think he was working on the Dusk test side of things, but I don't know that it's finished. So maybe, okay. maybe he'll be able to. Fill us in on that after this episode comes out.
1: Yeah. Uh, I know that we had also talked about having uh, Marcel and Frank on uh, last show and they both responded. Yes, we'd love to do that. So we'll have to do that sometime in the new year. We've already talked with them and, uh, we're definitely going to have them on, uh, talk about, um, the one that we talked about last time, which was the WebSockets, the Laravel WebSockets package that they released. And then we'll have to make sure we talk to Marcel about this one as well. The Laravel dusk dashboard package. So you can find information on both of those in the show notes, check that out and, uh, go buy one of, uh, Marcel's courses. Yeah. I think the the Batman the Batman stuff would be absolutely awesome. yeah definitely okay so the next thing we have on the docket here we only have this one release I think two. right actually you know what's that? what am I missing is 5716 five, five, six, seven, 16, five, seven, and 17. seventeen yeah okay you know what the other thing that's not on here is Nova released a new version yeah, as well we can talk about that Laravel Nova yeah we can okay sorry let me get back to it okay so we've got two releases all right why don't we start with five seven sixteen then. Larivor
0: 5716 is available with new translation messages for the 403 and 503 blade templates. And we also enable the migrator to accept not only migration directory paths but also file paths. Hey, that's handy. For me. <laughs> um, yes, that is. So I was actually Previously in the 403 uh, and 503 views, the, the strings were hard coded to obviously the English versions. So now these are now translatable strings. So if you're using Laravel for your non-English website, then you can use the translatable strings in those error views rather than having to completely override the view in your own application. And as I said, the other addition is that the migrator is now able to handle both file paths and directories for PHP migration files. So only directories were allowed previously, but basically it will now look for any php files inside of a directory but there's quite a few bug fixes in this project uh, in this release rather including a revert to a breaking change for the test response decode response json method Uh, so obviously the link to the article with all of the changes will be in the show notes awesome
1: uh, we also have 5.7.17. Uh, it is available with the new query builder methods that they've placed in, uh, a new message for detecting lost connections in MariaDB, and improvements to adding foreign keys in Postgre. Is that how you say it, Postgre? Postgres. You have that S on the end Do there. Do people say Postgres? Yeah, I feel like I've heard people say Postgre. Okay, well, those people are <laughs> maybe probably wrong. Maybe those... <laughs> Maybe like some French people or something.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah, post Grey. <laughs> what did you say? I missed that. Was that was probably the worst French
1: accent you will ever hear and it's not going to be repeated. So, like, I learned that... I was, so, I looked up what... Like, okay, I looked up the word, like, the river that runs through Paris. Right. And it said American pronunciation, Seine, French pronunciation, "Sen." Yeah. So, it's like... It's like there's more than one proper way to say it. Well, no, there's the proper way to say it. And then there's the way that the Americans butcher it. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I don't think I ever told you this. We went over to France uh, for like two weeks with a group of high school students. Uh And they were fulfilling the role of uh, the typical obnoxious Mm -hmm. American. But they were doing it like to their best. So they were like slaughtering. Yeah, They were like walking around like, bound jower. You know, it was great it was fun times and so they were being really uh obnoxious and loud and just trying to get people to hate them yeah Actually, i think they succeeded well i mean it's pretty and, easy
0: uh, most of the european was countries a complete... are a little bit uh funny about the americans you are american pig
1: dogs <laughs> oh my okay <laughs> so let's talk about 5 seven, seventeen here so um okay so we have a new method in the query builder for the insert into select statement without loading data into memory i'm gonna have to read through this here the insert using method allows you to copy all or some columns from one database to another using the following syntax (laughs) this is pretty amazing i've needed this actually so select um yeah an insert into select so where you can is basically say grab these columns from this database just take them all and just Mm -hmm. chuck them into this Mm -hmm. other this other database table and so we've basically done this with raw, you know, I've done this with raw uh, stuff before. Yeah, I usually pop open um, in SQL Pro and do it right in there. Exactly, yeah. But it, now you have the ability to do it straight from the query builder. Yep. So insert using, uh, you'll have to take a look into that. I'm not going to read the... It'd be
0: <laughs> handy if you're, if yeah, you're building would... a script where you're archiving data. Like if you had a scheduled task where you wanted to move some data out of your, you know, active table into some kind
1: of archive table, uh, that, that would probably be one place where you might use it. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. So uh, there's also another build, another uh, query builder uh, method called having between. So uh, if you have the the having kind of comes after the I think like having is like the last thing yeah. that you can. Put yeah. If on. you've so got a like group select star. If you've got a group by statement, typically. Sure. So it's like select star from table where this group whatever having right? Mm-hmm. And so now you have this having between method, which allows you to specify a column and then two values that it should fall between. In this case, in the case that they're showing here, it's two dates, right? So having last login date between these two dates. Uh, so that's pretty handy. Actually, that's pretty useful. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, we talked about the detecting loss connection from Maria DB. Uh, it used to say, uh, I think packets out of order. Um, mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean much of anything if you're
0: not expecting it, or if you're not, you know. And I think typically now most people that are that are using not Laravel in in general, but frameworks more broadly, is that you won't necessarily have an underlying, you know, an understanding of the underlying databases because a lot of us are using, you know, in Laravel we're using Eloquent and Active Record. In in um, Symphony, you're probably more likely to be using Doctrine and and the Data Mapper pattern. So if you get one of these errors from mysql then you know you're less likely to understand what that is so the fact that we've now got a a more useful error message in our applications is is helpful obviously
1: yeah absolutely and that really wraps up 5.7.17 i don't think there's a lot more on that one i think we're i think that Mm. was it so that is literally all the news we have for this week so we have only been going for a half hour you missed a really big piece of news oh hold on hold on on the 6th oh, of December, well, okay,
0: the PHP team released PHP version 7.3 for general availability. The third feature update to PHP 7 is now live. If you're using Laravel Forge, you can go in there and click a button and it will install and configure your server to use 7.3. Alternatively, you can just spin up a brand new server that's already set up with PHP 7.3 and migrate your sites. On that note, if... Uh, If Dries or Taylor or Muhammad are listening to this, I think that I would not be the only one in our community that would be excited to see a migrate site to new server feature in Laravel Forge.
1: Ooh, that'd be interesting.
0: Um, I mean, realistically, it's moving SSL, you know, your security certificate, if you've got it set up, it's moving the database typically and and really just taking the Git repo and and any storage. All right. I'm making
1: it sound easier than it is. Obviously, I'm not saying it's uh, it's simple. No, even at that, like, even if there, even if there was options, it's like everybody's setup is so variable. Like, so I don't even use a database on most of the servers that I have because I just have like connected up to like RDS sort of situation. All right, fine. Disregard.
0: Disregard. I didn't ask for that, and it won't make the final cut. (laughs) Fine. You took me out of it. Anyway, while today marks the release, the the marks the day of the stable release you will have to wait a bit longer for a migration guide, which should be available shortly. It may already be out now. I haven't looked to be honest, but if you haven't read much on PHP 7.3 yet, here are the highlight features coming, uh, which we have written about on Laravel news previously. We will now have trailing commas in function calls. Jason throw on, there is a JSON throw on error flag for JSON encode and JSON decode. So, where in previous versions of PHP, you would run the JSON encode or decode function and then you would have to check JSON last error to see if you know what the error was when those functions just return false. Um, you can now have PHP throw an exception, which is handy. We've now got flexible here doc and now doc syntax. There is an is countable function and list reference assignment. Uh, if you would like to learn more about what that is, then check out the link to the article in the show notes.
1: Yeah, very cool. So Caleb Porzio actually put out a um, a good tweet on this. Like said, like, hey, here are my favorite things about uh, PHP seven three, and it was insightful. I think the trailing comments and function calls is cool. Have you ever have you ever been bitten by that before? Where like you're actually you start like mm. you know mm. you break onto a new line these these. Um, parameters that you're throwing yeah, in. Yeah, on more than one occasion. I uh, so a function I've been, call or something and you accidentally put that comma on as like a habit for yeah, what you do like in an array. On more than one occasion. And it breaks. So it'd be nice to have that now yep.
0: for any of those functions that are split over multiple lines. You know, obviously, it's now consistent with array syntax where you can have that trailing comma. But the reason I like doing that yeah. if I've got a multi-line array declaration and and now in the, in the function declaration, it means that your git diffs will be that much yep. cleaner because you're not changing the previous line to add a new option to it if you've already got that trailing Correct. comma there. Yeah. So that's why I'm a big fan of the the trailing comma in my arrays and, and will be now in my function calls once we get onto PHP 7.3 in the next little while here. We'll probably wait for a couple of point releases just to make sure everything gets tidied up and is working properly. I think Eric Van Johnson in the chat has said that there were some issues that people he knows that use 7.3 ran into with opcache. So... Yeah, yeah. We'll,
1: we'll we'll stay fast for the time being. It's just like a new Mac release, right? Like I'm just going to wait for a little bit before I push anything in production to 7.3. Yeah. Hey, um, you were talking real quick about uh, Forge and being able to do a new 7.3 server. One of the feature that, um, a couple of things. So they, they pushed a new update for Envoyer. The UI has been updated. It looks really, really yep. nice. Another thing that they did recently is they made it so that if you have a server in Forge... And you're using Envoyer as well. Whenever you go to set up a new site in Envoyer or just add a server to one of your Envoyer sites, um, you used to have to basically put in all the stuff, mm-hmm. right? You used to have to say, here's the name of the server. Here's the IP address of the server. Here's what version of PHP it's running. Here's what name I want you to connect as. Uh, what else? I'm trying to remember what else. Basically, you had to do it all by hand. You had to copy the mm-hmm. SSH key from Envoyer back over to Forge. And so now what you can do is you can link your forge account with envoyer and then when you go to your servers on your envoyer site you just click import server from forge and it will list out any servers that you have you select the site import and you're all done i'm gonna i'm doing it live you keep talking but i'm gonna do this right now yeah it's incredible it really saves a lot of time and um especially if you're Especially if you're doing basically what you said, like if you're provisioning a new server and moving a site over and all you just need to do that quickly. It makes it really makes the process very pain free. So, yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, I will keep talking. So Laravel Nova 1.2.1 released on December 12th. There is a lot of new abilities and a lot of new fixes. I'm not going to go through all of them here, but there's a ton. There's a ton of stuff in here. A lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff. Also, this last week was my real first time using Nova in any sort of any sort of significant way. And I've got to say, people, if you have not had a chance to try it, it is freaking magic. It is magic. There is so much awesome stuff packed into this thing. And as I was reading through the documentation, I kept on just like, no way it does. Oh, my gosh, it does that (laughs) or be like, find something where it would be like, I didn't even know I I needed that, but now I need that, you know? I didn't think about that. So one of those examples was, uh, number one, a huge, huge, huge benefit that takes a lot of time to do, and people don't recognize it, probably, maybe they do, is the error handling is super good in Nova. Super, super good. So like you forget to register something and instead of blowing up in your face, it gives you a nice little notification in the bottom that says, hey, we couldn't find Mm -hmm. this, by the Mm -hmm. way. And so the page kind of displays and it might display a little bit wonky if you did something wrong, right? But it gives you this nice little clean error message that basically points you exactly to where the error is. Hey, go fix this little thing. It's like, "Oh, perfect. It's incredible." So it really helps with the learning curve on that. And the other thing was I had like a belongs to many relationship in one of my mo- or in one of my resources and I was like, "Man, this is there's like a lot of these things. Like if I want somebody to be able to change that, it's going to be a huge pain because I have to search through all of those. And they're like, oh, by the way, if you want to search a belongs to many relationship, just put you know arrow searchable on it. And it's now a searchable field. Yep. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like literally, there are so many things like that where it's just like, "Ah, oh, I have this problem. I need it solved. And it's like, oh, we already solved yeah. that. So simple. So, so simple. There's just, oh my word. There's a million of them. Hmm. And so it is an incredible tool. I promise you it is not wasted money yeah. there are so many people who are like oh i mean are you kidding me this is just another whatever whatever yeah. right another one of these i mean it is not i promise yeah. you it is not it's incredible. We're, we're
0: actually looking to use it on a work project uh so that'll be nice to to get that into our uh, our work life as well upgrading all of our servers yeah. to later versions of php and keeping up to date with later versions of laravel has been
1: wonderful it's probably the greatest achievement i've had at work all year <laughs> Yeah, I think that when you do when you are able to provide something like this because you probably can't give like root database access to even maybe even maybe more junior developers mm. than yourself just due to like compliance sort of reasons, Nova provides you the ability to quickly, extremely quickly provide the ability for people to administer those databases even without root access to the MySQL instance, right? that's the huge value for me is like, there are some things that I'm the only person who can do it because I'm the only one who has access to the mm-hmm. database and there is no interface to modify those values. Right? So by me using Nova, now I have the ability to pass that off and to delegate that responsibility to someone else. And I never have to look at it yeah. again. Right. Yeah. They can just handle it. So it's a huge win. It's a huge win. Go buy lots of licenses for, uh, you know, wish, uh, wish yourself a Merry Christmas <laughs> Buy a Nova license. And uh, you won't be sorry you did. I promise. That's my little commercial for Nova. Laricon US website launched. Let's talk about this real quickly just because it was incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolute hat tip to Jack McDade, who, I mean, Taylor tweeted and said it's a little off-brand, but he couldn't not do it. And I think Jack McDade has done a really, really, really good job on it. Um, All the little Easter eggs that he's buried in there, just the, the design of everything... The way that it like it looks like
1: an 80s set piece, it's it's incredible. So, great work to him. Everything. All of it looks like an 80s yeah. set piece, right? I mean, like literally everything. There's so many little references. And, uh, and I mean, like even the photos that he has mm. that are like, you know, photos of the venue mm-hmm. and stuff. He's like pixelated them and made them look all 80s-ish. And like you said, there's a bunch of little Easter eggs hidden inside. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about on that... It was announced that they all of the speakers this year will have 30 minutes to talk, mm-hmm. rather than an hour to talk. I, for one, am excited about this. What do you think? I think it's pretty
0: cool. I've been. I mean, there's. I think Freik tweeted about it a little while ago. He wrote a blog post about it. I considered doing that this year for Laracon AU to have shorter talks. I mean, my my biggest concern was having shorter talks means more speakers and i wasn't sure around finances for the conference cuz i'd never done it before but you know you get rid of all the the filler slides and the and the th- content that doesn't really matter it's just there to make up time you don't worry so much about you know 30 minute or 40 minute talks in a 50 minute slot you don't worry about those awkward q and a's where the the speakers is sort of like please someone ask me a question you know those kinds of things all go away and it really helps the speakers hone a talk and really put the important stuff into a 30-minute presentation. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I will be eagerly watching to see how that all pans out. I think we've still got the same number of speakers as as what we had this year in fifty in the longer slots. So, you know, that may mean longer breaks uh, and more time between talks and things like that. So, it'll be interesting to see how the schedule turns out uh, once that all comes together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be really, really good. I'm excited about it. I think it's actually also less intimidating for people who want to give their first set of like official big, big talk. You know, it's it's less of a hurdle, right, to clear than like an hour long talk. An hour can feel like an eternity. And I do feel that like, honestly, by the time you get to that hour mark, a lot of the stuff is like, okay. It was interesting in the first mm-hmm. half hour. Yeah. And that and that's the thing. It's just not yeah. that interesting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be really, really good. And I'm crossing my fingers, <laughs> hoping to get a spot. Yeah. So I've already submitted my abstracts, two of them. I'm probably going to come up with a couple more and just harass Taylor <laughs> until he finally says yes. Or he bans you so, from coming to the event, one or the other. Or, you know, that could happen too. <laughs> that could happen. Um. Let's see. What else do we have? Uh, I think that was all I had. So I think we are. uh, I think so. I think we are okay to wrap this one up. I agree. I'll allow it. Awesome. All right. Let's do it everybody thanks so much for listening to episode 76 it was great to have you listen and uh, join us on the live show any of you who happen to do so if you'd like this episode please feel free to rate us up in your podcatcher of choice five stars is always appreciated show notes for this episode will be at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 76 and of course if you have any questions any feedback we always love to hear from you at jacob bennett at michael dorinda or at laravel news on twitter Merry Christmas to all, happy Kwanzaa to all, happy New Year, Uh, happy Festivus, happy all those wonderful holidays. We hope that uh, this year was a wonderful one for you. Hope that you ring in the New Year with plenty of people around you that you love and that love you and have a great holiday season. Absolutely and to those of you
0: who will be celebrating Festivus, I hope you have a wonderful time with the airing of grievances. I hope your aluminium poles are... (laughs) shiny and firm and to everybody else however you choose to celebrate this holiday period with your friends with your family by yourself traveling whatever it is we hope you have a great time a refreshing time and uh, we will speak to you all
1: in 2019 thank you mr mr dorinda for being an amazing editor this year hey no problem everyone we owe, we owe him much thanks for all of his work all no right.
0: Thank you for turning up and, and filling the other half of these shows for me. Barely. Every <laughs> week, barely. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and late at that, most I'll weeks. see you in 10 minutes, <laughs> half an hour later. Jake, are you asleep? Hey, I'm just got. i just starting to get into Rocket League now, and so I'm playing Rocket League nice. after Taylor and uh, Adam got destroyed. I was like, you know what? That looks really fun. I think yeah, I'm going to try I that. Yeah, I tried to
0: find the, so, the recording, but I couldn't, I couldn't find the recording of it, uh, which, you know, for the yeah. two of them, from what I heard, is probably for the best.
1: Yeah. yeah it was it was pretty sad i think it was like i don't know i want to say it was like 12 to the one taylor scored though they scored that's, that's all that matters i would have loved i would have loved to be a fly on yeah. the wall oh my gosh <laughs> i'm sure i'm gonna ask i'm gonna ask abigail because she'll tell us honestly like <laughs> i guarantee he was like Whoa! yeah I'm sure, he would have been right? he the, the most be. excited person on the face of the planet at that point <laughs> yeah he was probably losing his mind oh my word Anyway, I digress. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in the new year. Bye.